a battle going on today for the heart and soul of America, and the right side must win. It's time for America Can We Talk with Debbie George Addis. On America Can We Talk, we talk truth about America and why it matters to you. America Can We Talk starts now. And good evening and welcome. I'm Debbie George Addis. Welcome to my show and to tonight's first five I want to take a moment first to thank the sponsor of our show, without whom it would not be possible. America Can We Talk is sponsored by GC Works, which is a Dallas-based company that performs research in advanced technology and delivers innovative approaches to the oil and gas industry. I'm so grateful I can do America Can We Talk every Sunday. And I also want to say hello again to our new listeners in our Phoenix audience at 960 AM The Patriot and Colorado Springs audience at AM 1420, um, excuse me, 1460 and FM 101.1 in Colorado Springs. Love being on in both your cities and, and thank you for your emails and support. Okay, what I want to hit tonight in my first five is this. You know, I went to Washington actually twice in the last week, um, which was fun. I love going to Washington. I, I went to law school there. I love going to visit. But we heard, my husband and I would heard these really profound speakers talking about the you know significant issues shaping America's future, these serious challenges to the um, culture, the fabric, the structure, the safety of America. It was so inspiring to hear these people. Uh, they were members of Congress. They were leaders of think tanks. And they were just expressing their love of America and, and their really just willingness to be in the battle to preserve the unique greatness of America, which is what I dedicate this radio show to, is preserving the unique greatness of America. And then I came home working on show prep, of course, the news cycles. It just, just you know, covered, smeared with coverage of the uh, Alabama Senate race and Roy Moore and um, and then, then, of course, Al Franken, Minnesota Senator Al Franken's, um, you know, misadventures and Len Bill Clinton's, all, the, all of his, you know, just decades of um, very horrible behavior toward women. All of that coming to the surface. And you could think, gee, that's that's the news of the day. You know what, what all these men have done. And what I want to say to, about that tonight is that we, we I am going to talk about those issues later in the show. But what I really want to hit on this first five is this. The reason that President Donald Trump won the election in 2016, the reason that millions of voters who had not voted in decades showed up to vote at the polls was because they wanted to reassert and reclaim the identity of America. They wanted to put a stop to the march toward socialism, the march toward big government control in Washington, the military weakness that we had for eight years under President Obama, the uh, lax border security. We had people who voted to preserve America. So going back to what I heard in Washington, one of the speakers at this event we were at in Washington uh, was a gentleman named Kenneth Abram. Abramowitz, I'm not sure how to say his last name, Abramowitz, but he has a group um, called SaveTheWest.com. And really, many of the talks we heard in Washington were these bigger picture ideas, essentially the idea that to hold on to the idea of America, you have to know what that idea is, and you have to recognize the threats to America. And so this gentleman who spoke just excellent points, and they were, they're very, I say they're excellent because they're consistent with what I'm trying to say in this show all the time, that it's up to each generation of Americans to preserve the unique greatness of America. So his examples, I'm going to use some of the points he made because they really are what the show is about and what every patriot in this country should be about. Out. One point he made, we have to elect presidents in the future, presidents and members of Congress and members of the Senate and leaders in our state level all across the board. We have to elect people 
committed to re-educating the American population on what America is and means, that we are committed as a country to the idea that we have rights from God, as our Declaration of Independence says, simply because we're born. And the purpose of our government is to preserve liberty of the individual. And in addition to that, we have to have people in office who speak in these terms, who talk about our goal is to maximize economic growth, to grow the economy in America, which always lifts up every single person, to openly mock, criticize, and deride socialism, whether it is the uh, you know Western European allegedly happy socialism or the Venezuela misery socialism. It's all socialism, completely contrary to the idea of America. We have to do things to to fix the and, and inspire and encourage economic growth in America, change the tort laws, restructure all of the uh, entitlement programs, including Medicare, that we cannot afford. Fix them so we can have long-term sustained economic growth. Protect our people intellectually. Go on the PR offensive. Talk about how great America is. Stop agreeing that there's some horrible, terrible history we must be apologizing for in this country. We have to be, we have to go back and highlight and speak up for the American values. And I'll read some of his. Uh, Ethics, the work ethic, opportunity, fairness, security and free enterprise, individual responsibility, compassion for those in need, freedoms inherent in the Bill of Rights, which cannot be taken away. And uh, the idea of the, the Bill of Rights, including the notion of that we have rights that are inalienably inalienably ours. We have to agree there is such a thing as good and evil, and we're in the side of good. The American ideas are in the side of good. We have to also recommit ourselves to protecting the security of America. The physical security of America requires a strong national defense, a strong military, and secure borders. We have to have an invigorated idea of America that we expect our politicians to talk about. So, as I always try to do with the wrap-up of my first five, you can't have America... As, you, as an example, and Sharia. You, you, you can't have the rule of law and Sharia. You can't have America and socialism. You can't have America and propaganda instead of media. We must insist on the idea of America. When I come back after this break, I'll tell you more about that. Don't go away. Attention Ronald Reagan fans. What is the one item most sought after by Americans who love the Gipper? It's Young America's Foundation's Reagan Ranch Calendar. Young America's Foundation is the leading youth outreach organization dedicated to ensuring that increasing numbers of young Americans understand and are inspired by the ideas of individual freedom, a strong national defense, free enterprise, and traditional values. New audiences of young people across the country are introduced to conservative ideas through Young America's Foundation's programs, including the Reagan Ranch Program. The Reagan Ranch calendar contains spectacular images of the Gipper enjoying his beautiful 688-acre ranch, the Western White House. For a limited time, the calendar is free. Even shipping is free. To receive your beautiful Reagan Ranch calendar from Young America's Foundation, call 800-USA-1776 and mention the phrase Reagan Gift. Again, the number is 1-800-USA-1776 and Reagan Gift is the code. Learn more about Young America's Foundation at www.yaf.org. That's yaf.org. America guarantees each eligible adult citizen the right to vote. 
The Public Interest Legal Foundation, a 501c3 public interest law firm, is dedicated entirely to election integrity, to assuring that voter rolls include names of only citizens eligible to vote, and that protections are in place to prevent voter fraud of all kinds. The Public Interest Legal Foundation discovered that more than 1,000 non-citizens enrolled to vote in Virginia in just eight counties. And in Philadelphia, felons as well as non-citizens are on the voter rolls. Non-citizens have been registering to vote and voting. The Public Interest Legal Foundation is fighting nationwide and in Texas to ensure that only Americans pick American leaders. We are actively litigating high-impact cases to clean up voter rolls and protect the ballot box. If you do not want your vote canceled out, visit publicinterestlegal.org to join us in the fight to restore integrity to American elections. Protect your vote. Visit publicinterestlegal.org today. Do you know that one in nearly five United States residents lives in an immigrant household? That we take in more than one million new legal immigrants every year? Studying the impact of federal immigration program is the mission of the Center for Immigration Studies, the nation's only think tank looking at the broad national effect of immigration policy. Whether it's on crime, welfare, national security, or the job market, CIS digs out information about immigration from government sources, translates it into English, and makes it available to the public, the news media, and policymakers in Washington. Check out its work at CIS.org. CIS makes the case for better enforcement against illegal immigration and lower levels of legal immigration in the future. Most other special interest groups pursue the opposite. The only thing standing between them and open borders is an informed public. Get informed and stay informed by visiting CIS.org. That's CIS.org. Let me tell you about the group Vice President Mike Pence called the most effective grassroots pro-life organization in America. It's the Susan B. Anthony List, and they're the ones who are on Capitol Hill right now, day in, day out, to fight back against Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry. Every day in our nation, abortion takes more than 2,000 innocent lives, almost two every single minute of every single day. And Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion business in the country, committing one-third of all abortions. It's an unspeakable tragedy and a stain upon our nation and our humanity. And it's up to us to do something about it. This is your opportunity to join the team that's leading the charge to end abortion. Go to sba-list.org or Google Susan B. Anthony List now to learn more and start saving lives today. Can you hear us now? And welcome back to America Can We Talk. Okay, so some of my friends text me during the break. And one person texted, I was talking a little bit fast. I can't believe she said that. Anyway, I really, that first five tonight is very meaningful to me. I, I hit on one, usually one news story from the week, uh, each week in the first five, but Hearing these speakers in Washington and recognizing the depth of challenges America faces, you know, we have threats in all directions to preserving the culture of America, the culture of liberty, the culture of Western civilization, which is a, is, is a beacon to the world. And the idea that we spend a lot of time in this country, I mean, we have to be talking about Roy Moore and Bill Clinton and Al Frank and all those people. But really, we should always be on guard. Every generation needs to be on guard to recognize what are the 
current events, the current groups, the current arguments, the current claims that make, that threaten America. That's our job, to be thinking about what are those threats and what can we do about them. Well, we're going to have a guest come joining us at 6.30 tonight named Chris Galbatz. He went undercover posing as a uh, convert to Islam uh, in America, and he had conversations, firsthand conversations, and training, in fact, from various Islamic groups about how to speak about certain things. I just want him to talk to you at 6.30 about what he saw, what he learned, and what he thinks that means for America in terms of what we should do to protect ourselves. But before we get to that call, because uh, to that uh, guest, you know, one of the threats to, uh, or say in the positive way, one of the blessings America has from our founding is the notion of the rule of law, the idea that every single person in this country is supposed to be, under our system, subject to the same set of laws. The laws apply to everyone equally. We don't have carve-outs for the ruling elite. We don't have rules or laws that apply to only certain groups. We have the rule of law, and that is applied consistently in a fair manner because of the protections in our Constitution, where we have uh, laws must be uh, promulgated so people know what's legal and what's not legal. And we have a legal system that has built-in protections the rule of law is vital to the sense of security, well-being, and and just you know civilization in America. But I want to, we talk on this show many times about the impact of growing Islamic is, uh, immigration in Western Europe and what is happening there. And I want to tell you the most amazing story that's happening right now in France. Now, France has, of course, been the victim of the French people, have been the victim of numerous attacks, terrorist attacks by Islamists, Islamic jihadists in their country, people that were welcomed into France, many of them fleeing some sort of um, war or, or or in some way unsafe where they lived, and others who simply wanted to spread Islam into Western Europe. But they now in France have a serious problem. They have large segments of the population in France that really don't want to play by the games of Western civilization. They don't want to assimilate into French culture. They want to keep their own Islamic culture segregated away from the, uh, from others. And so I want to tell you about a solution that a French academic came up with. This is a professor, a professor named Christian de Moliniere, and and this is it's a man, um, and he claims that or his idea he is floating in France. This is a serious professor. He is floating the idea that he wants to have in their country essentially um, the creation of two sets of laws. He's saying, he's acknowledging, some of the things he says, you have to grasp what he's, he's observing what's happening in his country, in France, and he's saying essentially, you know, um, there's a second society that's really already formed in France. It's a second society that wants to settle their lives on their religious values, and, and that is fundamentally opposed to Western civilization and French law, on which the French country was founded. So he says, you're never going to convert the 30% of Muslims who demand the introduction of Sharia law, you're never going to convince them of the merits of democracy in France or the rule of law in France. So his solution is we're allowing segregation, and rather than do that or face the unimaginable measure in democracy of remigrating them, his word, like sending them away, or forced evictions, why not establish a dual system of law in France? 
And his proposal, he, he has some historic analogy, some other time in history, supposedly some country did this. But his point is, you know, that to have we should have a state inspired um, a state uh, solution that has a set of laws applicable to uh, Muslims in France who want to live under it and a set of laws that apply to the rest of France. And he says it's going to be one territory, you know, the country France, one government, but two peoples, the French with their usual laws and Muslims with a Quranic status for, for the Quran. He says Quranic as an adjective, but Quran status for those who choose it. And he says the latter will have the right to vote. So they're, they're going to, I mean, this is not the government doing this, of course, but this is the outcome when you've had both a, a large swath, a, a large number of, of Islamic immigrants flooding into France, establishing little enclaves where they don't assimilate. And the solution is, instead of saying, no, we insist on assimilation, we insist on you embracing French law, this professor, and you know, this, folks, this idea will take hold because it, it seems unimaginable to resolve the challenges in France any other way. But the reason I'm saying all this on this show, which is about America, is that we have to be alert to the same kinds of things that are happening in America because America's whatever, you know, there were 10 years behind France, 20 years behind, however many years you'd say it is, we are going to be faced at the present growth of Islamic immigration to America, plus the repopulation rate. You know, in fact, there was a figure recently saying that by, I think it was 2050, the year 2050, there'll be more Muslims in America than Jewish Americans. And you can say, well, so what, we're diverse. But you have to recognize the challenge that Islam brings to a culture and brings its insistence on Sharia and which is Islamic law and once you have that you don't have a country you don't have the rule of law in America and so the idea even in the great state of Texas where I live we tried to introduce in in the legislature they tried to introduce a bill called American law for American courts ALAC A-L-A-C introduced that law could not get it passed in Texas in Texas, because there was concern that people might feel slighted by it. So this is one example what I'm talking about from my first segment, holding on to the culture of liberty, the Western civilization, the culture of American greatness. It has to have a primary essential component is the rule of law. So understand that this was a, that ALAC was a preemptive effort to say, we're not going to have two sets of laws here. France, I'm telling you, if this is getting national attention in France, this professor writing this, this is going to become a discussion there, and it cannot become a discussion here. Another thing I want to uh, mention on this, as we're leading up to having Chris Galbatz on our show, joining us on our show, um, is the idea of how much we tolerate discussion in America, another fundamental American value, a Western civilization basic to be able to discuss ideas, to hear other viewpoints. At Stanford, one of the uh, nation's allegedly leading institutions, you know, top colleges in the country, at Stanford, they had the Republicans, the college Republicans, and I think the Young America's Foundation or, or some other group there, had invited Robert Spencer to speak. He is an outspoken uh, uh, American who is opposed to the uh, Islamization of America, who's trying to raise the flag about concerns about the growing Islamic population in America and, and putting our roots down, insisting on the uh, on our culture, our civilization, our laws. And he was invited to speak. So what happened at Stanford was, number one, 
the uh, students who oppose Robert Spencer, who don't like him, who don't think he should get to speak, those students filled the room first. So the room got filled before the students who had invited Robert Spencer to speak got a seat. So the room is filled with mostly anti-Robert Spencer people who disrupted, interrupted, and then did and walked out in the middle of his talk. And so on top of that, so bad enough that what they're really saying is we don't have to listen. We can mock and deride you. We don't have to listen to you, was that there was actually an administrator, a woman, a Stanford University administrator, Nancy Howe, H-O-W-E, who is the associate dean and director of student affairs she was at this function, and instead of saying to these students, hey, some other group invited this guy. If you don't want to hear him speak, leave. But these, these students who walked out, who never want to hear him to start with, she was slapping, giving him high fives, patting him in the back, encouraging them to disrupt this guy. This is this, the university person, the ad- alleged adult in the room, and those students who walked out blocked access for the students who then wanted to get in to the now available seats. Folks, this is not just, oh, isn't that cool First Amendment stuff. This is that growing shutting down of a fundamental value in America, which is actual free speech, actual ability to exchange ideas, hear someone else's ideas you don't like. And then to top that all off, I'm going to have to hit it second hour. There's a thing going on in New York City now where Mayor de Blasio has uh, locked arms with CARE as you will hear in the next segment, a Hamas-affiliated organization, CARE, locked arms with CARE to do a public information campaign next year. So we come back from the break. We're going to have Chris Galbas join us, who went undercover as a person appearing to convert to Islam in America. You will not want to miss what he has to say. Come right back. Our nation faces a choice. The path of big government based out of Washington or the unique brand of liberty and prosperity enjoyed here in Texas. For 27 years, the Texas Public Policy Foundation has helped leaders in the Lone Star State prove that fiscal restraint and small government can deliver opportunity and prosperity for all. The Texas Public Policy Foundation promotes and defends solutions here and around the country based on liberty, free enterprise, and personal responsibility. Whether informing the national debate on property rights energy, taxes, education, or criminal justice, the foundation works to translate ideas into real change. The Texas Public Policy Foundation does not accept government funds or contributions to influence the outcome of its research. It is supported by thousands of people like you who are concerned about the future of our country. You can help Texas remain strong as the beacon of liberty in America. Visit TexasPolicy.com to learn more. If you want to get at the issues that really matter for women and men, go to IWF.org. That's the Independent Women's Forum. IWF is all about increasing the number of American women who value free markets and personal liberty. IWF's motto is all issues are women's issues. They bring a fact-based approach to politics, policy, and culture. When the left tried to peddle a phony war on women, IWF shot back with facts and figures. American women aren't victims in need of ever-increasing government protection. And IWF doesn't think things are perfect, but they believe that individual liberty is the key to prosperity and fulfillment. Along with their sister organization, Independent Women's Voice, IWVoice.org, which is a leader in the fight against Obamacare, 
They offer policy papers, op-eds, and a popular blog on issues of the day. So visit IWF at IWF.org. That's IWF.org. If there's one thing the conservative movement needs, it's a leader. And we have one, the Heritage Foundation. Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Heritage gets in the trenches on Capitol Hill. They promote principled solutions directly to lawmakers in Washington. And unlike politicians, they don't waver or compromise. But they're not a Washington institution. There are nearly a half million Heritage members and supporters in America. And they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. You can become a Heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have Heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates from Heritage Foundation on the fight for conservative solutions to America's challenges. Plus, you'll receive exclusive invitations to conservative events where you live. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org. There's a lot of talk today among media and academia in our culture about everything that is supposedly wrong with America. Political correctness tries to dictate that we must stop thinking that America is exceptional. America's bravest have our back in the air, at sea, and on land. But who has America's back in the culture? In schools, on cable television, in newspapers? It's time to end the greatest prejudice on earth, anti-Americanism. And who makes the case for America? Flag does. Flag is the foundation for liberty and American greatness. Flag has America's back on the cultural battlefield. Flag is a nonprofit battle tank working to change the cultural and media narrative about America. If you think it's time to stand up for America, join the Foundation for Liberty and American Greatness. Your support of Flag is an investment in the America your children will inherit. Visit their website at flagusa.org and consider donating. All donations are 100% tax deductible. That's flagusa.org. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. As I mentioned before our break, we have a gentleman joining us on the phone tonight, Chris Galbats. And I meant to mention, I will tell you now, that he is involved with the organization Understanding the Threat. He's the vice president of Understanding the Threat. And I actually heard him speak, I think it was last year uh, in Dallas, um, about the, the concerns about people in America, about keeping America safe from the uh, kind of danger we see from uh, Islamic jihadism uh, in Western Europe and really all around the world and, and in some cases in America. So um, I believe we have Chris online. Hi, Chris. Hi, Debbie. Thanks for having me on today. Just love having you on. Thank you so much for joining me. And, you know, I do want to have you, because I have learned that radio, time on radio, there's, it's like a time sink. It just races by so quickly. So I mentioned to our listeners before you came on that you had um, – uh, in your in the past, gone undercover in uh, in I think it was Eastern uh, someplace in the Eastern United States in Virginia or and and uh, posed as someone converting to Islam to really get inside some of the Islamic organizations in America and understand uh, what what was really being taught and said. So I'd love to have you, if you would, just uh, how did the idea come about and just tell us about it, please. Sure. So back in two thousand and seven and two thousand eight, I worked on a project that we refer to now as the Muslim Mafia Project because there was a book written about that experience called Muslim Mafia. And uh, I ended up going six months undercover with a Hamas organization 
known as the Council on American Islamic Relations, or CARE. And uh, during the course of that project, uh, I was able to pull out about 12,000 pages of documents uh, linking CARE to not only terrorism and sedition, but also fraud. And um, and that uh, was also able to obtain about 300 hours of covert audio and video footage. And like you said, I posed as a Muslim convert as part of this project. And where I actually began, um, uh, where I posed as a, as a convert was at Dar al-Hijra, which is a mosque in northern Virginia. And that mosque is a mosque that prior to me getting there was uh, had been a mom by the name of Anwar al-Awlaki, who ended up being an al-Qaeda leader in Yemen. And it's also owned by the North American Islamic Trust. And the North American Islamic Trust was identified at the Holy Land Foundation trial as an organization that supports Hamas and is a Muslim Brotherhood organization. And so I was able to work undercover at these organizations that wage, per their own documents, uh, what they call civilization jihad, which is uh, a process of jihad that changed civilization here in America from within, sabotage America, per their own words, so that we eventually become an Islamic state. Okay, I'm taking so many notes that I am... Um, I'm... <laughs> I don't know which direction to go first, but first, so I guess I do want to go back to care, C-A-I-R, care, is often quoted in mainstream media as a peaceful organization intending or whose purpose is to help increase understanding in America about uh, Muslims, about the Muslim population and about Islam. But you actually said that you, they are a Hamas affiliate. I mean, you, you, through what you did, you actually can, you, you can, you feel certain that's true. Oh, absolutely. The, the nice thing about making that claim, first off, CARE is one of the most litigious organizations in America. So if anything were to say anything untrue about them, they have no problem um, suing people and they have done that. And so we, the reason that we are comfortable in, in calling CARE a Hamas organization is not so much that it's our opinion. It's simply the facts and the evidence that were outlined in the uh, U.S. versus Holy Land Foundation trial, which, by the way, for your listeners, is the largest terrorism financing and Hamas trial ever successfully prosecuted in U.S. history. And the evidence in that trial specifically demonstrated and uh, that CARE was not only founded out of a Hamas organization, the Palestine Committee, the Islamic Association of Palestine, uh, but also that their two co-founders, Omar Ahmed and Nihad Awad, were at a meeting in 1993 in Philadelphia, and at that meeting the FBI was conducting surveillance. And they uh, stated, and this was entered into evidence in the trial, that every single member of that meeting was a Hamas member. And so the two co-founders of CARE were at that meeting that the FBI identified that everyone at that meeting was Hamas. And so from from a fact and evidence standpoint, there's no question that CARE is a Hamas organization. In fact, they are unindicted co-conspirators in that trial. And they wanted to get their names removed from the unindicted co-conspirator list. And the, uh, the judge in that case, uh, Jorge Solis, uh, released a memorandum uh, statement saying that they were not going to remove their name from the unindicted co-conspirator list because the evidence in that trial was clear that there was ample evidence to show their links to three Hamas organizations with Hamas itself. And I'm sure most of your listeners know this, but I always like to reiterate 
the U.S. State Department has um, declared the uh, Hamas as a designated terrorist organization. So there's really no lack of evidence that carries a Hamas organization. And yet, like you said, mainstream media organizations like the Associated Press, um, CNN, MSNBC, even Fox News refers to CARE as a civil rights organization when per evidence and per their own documents they're a Hamas organization. It is actually breathtaking, I know, because I've heard you speak before and others from Understanding the Threat and other people involved in various organizations trying to raise awareness of the uh, the concern all Americans should have about the uh, impending Islamization, about the intentions of some people who come to America. Um, that, I mean, we... We know that these things are, are happening, and yet, and, oh, anyway, I'm, I'm going to get sidetracked if I go on that path. Let me just go back to what you were talking about. Um, this, so Kara being Hamas-affiliated is very, very troubling, and yet they're still held out as somebody, kind of something to be respected or something to be seen as a civil rights organization. What is the reason that, do you think that why don't we have people like in the State Department or other places in government designating CARE as a Hamas organization based on what you just said? I mean, based, as a terrorist organization based on what you just said. Yeah, you know, it's it, it's interesting. Uh, after 9-11, uh, a lot of Islamic advisors were brought in to advise the State Department and the national security apparatus. And one of the things that they did was um, bring in many of these Islamic advisors are Islamic advisors that are linked to groups like the Muslim Brotherhood. In fact, the Muslim Brotherhood is the primary liaison between the federal government and the Muslim community. And yet, per the Muslim Brotherhood's own documents, they have the exact same goals as al-Qaeda or the Islamic State, to establish an Islamic State under Sharia, wherever they operate. As to why they do that, my simplest explanation is simply if, if you brought in Islamic advisors that are Muslim Brotherhood, of course the Muslim Brotherhood is going to tell uh, whoever they're advising that the Muslim Brotherhood is a peaceful, moderate organization. And unfortunately, because they have been the ones that have been advising us, and training law enforcement and uh, working with pastors, priests, and rabbis on interfaith dialogue, they get to set the narrative. And from their perspective, uh, the, the war of narratives is much more important than the war of um, where we actually have physical jihadis that are shooting things and blowing things up, because they understand the Muslim Brotherhood that if they can shut down the discussion, a rational discussion about Islam, Jihad, and Sharia, then they can necessarily keep us on our heels and win the war. And the way that they see winning the war is to get their media uh, partners, to get um, law enforcement and federal agencies to rely on them, and pastors, priests, and rabbis to rely on them for information about this threat. And so long as we are using them to... uh, advise us on issues of jihad and terrorism, Sharia, we will necessarily be off the mark. And they understand that, which is why they continue to push that narrative. What you're saying is obviously for people who've heard it before, they're saying, yes, yes. But the people who haven't heard it, I think it is honestly, it's so startling and so almost unbelievable. Um, But I mean, I, I believe you, but I'm saying it just seems so incredible that America, strong as we are, savvy as we are in many ways in our national defense, we kind of have a Trojan horse that's made its way in and that is defying the terms of the narrative. I'm going to go back to one thing you said, too, and we're going to come up in a break in about a minute, but... 
You mentioned the term civilization jihad, which we've talked about in our show before, and it's a term that was originally used uh, in a document unearthed from uh, long ago. Uh, I think it was 1991. But is civilization jihad, the discussion of the intention of that, was that something you actually heard about in your time when you were posing as a, as a Muslim convert? Yes, that's, that's part, of, uh, part of the Sharia where you change a society, and Sharia is Islamic law, where you change society gradually and in stages from wherever that society is to one that is fully adherent to Sharia. And while that may seem like um, it's unbelievable to the average person to say there's no way that we could ever have Sharia here in America, I would just pose the question, why is it that this topic, Islam, Jihad, and Sharia, is so uncomfortable to have a discussion about? And the reason is, is that is part of the implementation of the Islamic law of slander. Chris, well, that is, uh, yeah, we got to jump in because we're going to exhibit off to a break. With you. But folks, hold on during the break, and we're going to be with Chris a little longer after that because we're going to talk about what exactly the specific things are that constitute this civilization jihad effort. Debbie Georgiatis with Chris Galbas, America Can We Talk? Don't go away. America faces unprecedented threats to our national security. The Center for Security Policy, based in Washington, D.C., is a national leader focused on the organization, management, and direction of public policy coalitions to promote U.S. national security. The Center is a special forces in the war of ideas dedicated to identifying opportunities and challenges likely to affect American security and acting promptly to ensure that they are the subject of focused national examination and effective action. The Center enlists support from executive branch officials, key legislators, and other public policy organizations, and brings these teams together to develop and shape policies that will keep America safe. Check out CenterForSecurityPolicy.org for the latest news and developments brought to you by America's leading security experts. Becoming and remaining informed is one of the best ways every citizen can be a part of the mission to keep America safe. That's CenterForSecurityPolicy.org. Texans have a long tradition of independence, and we don't like being told what to do, especially by liberal bureaucrats 1,000 miles away. That's why for 30 years, the Dallas-based Institute for Policy Innovation has fought Washington's efforts to take more of your money and freedom. IPI works every day to keep taxes low and freedom high, to promote free market health care, expand energy security, protect intellectual property, and combat onerous regulations that destroy American jobs. Politicians often talk smaller government, but then vote for more of it. By contrast, IPI has never veered from its mission to defend the Constitution and fight for freedom. If you want to be informed about free market policies and solutions, go to IPI's website and sign up. All of their information is free for sharing. Help IPI restore liberty and economic growth. Go to IPI.org today. That's IPI.org. One more time, go to IPI.org today. Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers and, if necessary, legal protection from First Liberty Institute. 
First Liberty is the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. They've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to local schools. Visit FirstLiberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans in the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's FirstLiberty.org. If you want hope for religious freedom and a free listing of your rights, go to FirstLiberty.org now. Attention Ronald Reagan fans. What is the one item most sought after by Americans who love the Gipper? It's Young America's Foundation's Reagan Ranch Calendar. Young America's Foundation is the leading youth outreach organization dedicated to ensuring that increasing numbers of young Americans understand and are inspired by the ideas of individual freedom, a strong national defense, free enterprise, and traditional values. New audiences of young people across the country are introduced to conservative ideas through Young America's Foundation's programs, including the Reagan Ranch Program. The Reagan Ranch calendar contains spectacular images of the Gipper enjoying his beautiful 688-acre ranch, the Western White House. For a limited time, the calendar is free. Even shipping is free. To receive your beautiful Reagan Ranch calendar from Young America's Foundation, call 800-USA-1776 and mention the phrase Reagan Gift. Again, the number is 1-800-USA-1776 and Reagan Gift is the code. Learn more about Young America's Foundation at www.yaf.org. That's yaf.org. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. We have on the line with us tonight Chris Galbatz. He's the Vice President of Understanding the Threat. And we're talking about his experience that he uh, began in 2007, where he went for a six-month period undercover, posing as a convert to Islam inside Islamic organizations in America to really get a firsthand look and actual understanding of the dynamics, the goals, the uh, what those organizations are all about. So, Chris, I want to go back to something we were talking about right before the break. The term civilization jihad is you know, familiar to people who've been following this issue more, but it has to do with the goal of taking over America ultimately and turning us into a Sharia-compliant Islamic nation not through bullets and bombs, but through conversion of our culture. Is, is that an accurate description? Yes, absolutely. And from their perspective, from an Islamic law perspective, jihad is, is warfare against non-Muslims. It's always been defined as that. But specifically, it is total warfare. And so that would include not just the kinetic side of war, shooting things and blowing things up, but also media manipulation and propaganda, uh, influence, political influence operations, information operations, um, interfaith dialogue, what goes into textbooks. This is all uh, civilization jihad for them, uh, rep- the refugee resettlement program. In other words, for them, this is total warfare, intelligence gathering, counterintelligence, uh, all of it, in- and including physical jihad. So when we talk about civilization jihad, that's per their own words. They say, per their own documents, that the process of settlement is a civilization jihadist process with all the word means, and that the Muslim Brotherhood um, must understand that uh, their work in America is a grand jihad in eliminating and destroying Western civilization from within and sabotaging our miserable house by our own hands. And that's per their own documents. So 
one example that I use is when Michelle Bachman a few years ago stood up and said that we need to designate the Muslim Brotherhood a terrorist organization. Not only did the left and the media um, come down on her and, um, and call her Islamophobic, but even members of her own party, including John McCain and Marco Rubio, uh, called her Islamophobic. And that was civilization jihad by our hands, where you had someone standing up, raising the alarm, and then people from within her own party were the ones that shouted her down. And that's what they termed civilization jihad by our hands, getting our leaders to do their bidding for them. Yep, we talked about that episode um, several times on this show, and it is—it's really taking advantage of kind of the goodness of Western culture, uh, Western civilization. We want to be accepting. We don't want to be judgmental. We don't want to, you know, we want to tolerate diversity of faith, and so we just. And I think actually the other thing is what you're all what you're describing. It seems so unbelievable to the Western mindset that when people first hear it, they say that can't. That, that just can't be. But this is why I'm grateful for people like you, John Guandolo, and many others trying to wake America up because we're watching what's happening in Western Europe, um, which is about 10 or 20 years ahead of us. Or I don't know how many years you would say, but where they have begun to surrender to the, the, their culture, their rule of law to Islamic immigrants who just are simply it's, it's the same thing happening over there. Right. Yes. And then they uh, I think you nailed it. We're. we're why we are raising the alarm here in the United States is that if we don't drastically reverse course here in America, what we are seeing in places like the UK and Belgium and France and Germany, where they are giving up their own rights um, as uh, as Europeans and uh, sort of um, giving up their Western values so that they can accommodate the large Muslim populations that have come into their areas, we are witnessing the transformation of Europe right now. And I would argue that America, I used to think, Debbie, that America was 15, 20, 30 years behind Europe in my analysis and our analysis as an organization. Uh, the timeline now is we're, we're looking at more like we're, we're maybe five to 10 years behind Europe if we don't drastically change course right now. That is astonishing. That leads me to a great next question, which is, so now that you understand all of this, what you're describing, and you see the what we think of as innocent you know, refugee programs here trying to help people, we see, we see religious accommodation, and it's really a capitulation to civilization jihad. So what if you were, you know, what, what do we do as a country? How do we respond to what you're telling us? Well, the first thing that we have to do as a country is understand who our enemy is, which is why our organization is aptly named Understanding the Threat. We feel as an organization that once more Americans understand what we're up against, then there are enough brilliant, smart, uh, hardworking, and capable Americans that can come up with different strategies uh, to achieve victory against the global Islamic movement. But they have to understand what they're up against which is why uh, you know, we argue we're 15 years after 9-11, and at the State Department we're, we're still debating terms like jihad, yeah. uh, even though in the Islamic world there's no question as to what these terms mean. And so until we actually take the time to understand the enemy, and 100% of our enemy in this war says that they're waging jihad to establish an Islamic state under Sharia, and our national security warfighting doctrine says that we begin to analyze the enemy by who they say they are, 
and why they're fighting. So we have to start studying Sharia and Islamic law because that's the blueprint by which the jihadis are working off of. Okay, you said one thing when uh, I heard you speak last year in Texas. You talked about a time you went to training where they were talking with you about how do you address when you were posing as an Islam as a Muslim um, convert. Talked about receiving training where they talked to you about how, what to say after a jihadist attack in America, or to express sympathy for people who lost their lives. And you used the word the innocents, like I N N O C E N T S. Can you tell our listeners about that? Remember what I'm talking about? Yeah, so when we understand uh, when we understand the words that Islamic scholars and what we call suit-wearing jihadis, these are the people that work with legislators, and they're the ones that are interviewed by the media after a, a jihad attack or a terrorist attack, and they'll of course tell us that the you know the attack has nothing to do with Islam. And uh, when we understand that, we have to filter the words that Islamic scholars and suit-wearing jihadis use from English to English through the filter of Sharia. So when uh, Islamic scholars get on television after a jihad attack and say that they condemn um, terrorism and that um, they condemn the killing of innocents, understand that under Islamic law, terrorism means killing killing a Muslim without right, and only Muslims are innocent under Sharia, then we understand that what we're hearing in our Western minds is completely different than the words that they're actually using and the way that they're defining them. And yes, I was at a, a seminar. Uh, Care does this. It's not an accident that the narrative after a jihad attack is that this person was mentally unstable, they were crazy, and that the attack has nothing to do with Islam. They actually train Muslims on how to respond to these types of attacks so that they can get in front of a camera and tell uh, local media or national media that the attack has nothing to do with Islam. That's not accidental. That's part of the war of narratives. And they actually do training seminars on that. And I know because as part of my time undercover, I was part of those training seminars. Okay, so you were undercover at a mosque in, in Virginia. And also, in, in I believe, I thought from your resume, that you were an intern with CARE. So is that yeah. is that the same thing, or is that two different things that you did? No, so I've, I've been to um, mosques all over the country undercover. For that particular project, I was in Moss primarily in northern Virginia, uh, but I was also going into CARE, the Council on American Islamic Relations, as an intern, and which is why I was given access to the documents that they wanted to shred and um, was asked to shred documents and uh, instead of shredding them, I preserved evidence. Thank goodness you did that. And so if people want to read, I, I know that you mentioned the book, that is available about this experience in Muslim Mafia, which I can tell you, people, you can order on Amazon because I did just that. I actually downloaded it to my iPad, and um, I urge you to get that to really get more depth of what um, Chris is talking about tonight. And I want to go back again. One more thing. I mean, I'm, I'm incredulous. I was asking, what can you do? So you can become aware. You can alert your friends and neighbors that the what, what civilization jihad is. But as a country, we have to take back church charge of the terms we use in our national policy, the terms used in our training of security officers, uh, our, our security, our national security, the federal agencies, we kind of have to take back the whole language to put it, and, but what else, I mean, tell, honestly, I think people listening thinking, my gosh, what should we do? Any other suggestions what people should do? Yeah, we, we put, as an organization, we put out uh, action items for citizens that they can do to get involved. One of the main things you can do, though, 
is go to our website, understandingthethreat.com. We have free resources that people can use. And then in our store, from my opinion, the best synopsis of the entire threat from Islamic law, Sharia, and the jihadi network, primarily the Muslim Brotherhood here in the United States, is to read a book called Raising a Jihadi Generation, yeah. written by our, the founder of our organization, John Guandolo. It's short, but it's the best synopsis, synopsis that I've seen on this threat so that not only can people understand this better, but they can also take that book and give it to their pastors, priests, rabbis, give it to law enforcement, give it to their neighbors and friends and family. We need to build a grassroots movement of people that understand this threat so that we can root out the jihadi network here in America, county by county, state by state. I love that. And you mentioned John Guandolo, who's been on this show with me a couple of times. He now lives in Texas, so we, it's even easier to get him to join me on the show. And um, that book you mentioned, too, uh, <laughs> I must say, it is a it is short, and it's a, it's a, you know, it's not a complex read, but it's a very alarming, eye-opening read. And that's a great idea to get that book and give it to your pastor, your, your rabbi, anyone you can think of who needs to understand this threat. So, uh, Chris Galvatz, uh, first of all, thank you for doing what you did. And um, because I think that must have been quite the alarming time. I'm glad you're safe and sound. Do you, by the way, are you a little bit worried about your security? I have to ask. Aren't you a little bit worried about your own no, security? But, by, people ask me that all the time. By the grace of God, I don't worry about it because I do put my hands um, in God's hands. But when I first did this project, I was in my 20s. And so I really wasn't um, uh, thinking the same way that I, uh, I would now. Uh, but yes, uh, I'm grateful and humbled to to have been able to do this project, and um, it's just I've been uh, granted the grace to not worry about it, even though I know that you know uh, this is a jihadi organization, and they certainly aren't um, happy about what I did, to say the least. And there's some danger there and a threat there. But at the end of the day, there are men and women that are being shot at over in the Middle East and around the world to defend this country. From my perspective, the least thing I could do is pretend to be a Muslim and go into these Muslim Brotherhood organizations. Chris Galbas, thank you so very much. Folks, do not go away. After the top of the second hour, we'll come back and talk to you. I'm Debbie George Ass. America, can we talk? Chris, thank you.